Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello, beloved family. How are you? I pray that you are well, for sure, and uh, that you are enjoying yet this Christmas tide season. Christmas tide is a a new word for many people. It was certainly new for me, coming from um, well, certainly my Jewish background, and then through eighteen years of evangelical Protestantism trying to save Catholics. It was very new coming into the Catholic Church, but it is so so beautiful. Um, it's a season. It, it's not one day. It's not even two days. It's a whole season. And Christmas tide stretches from Christmas Eve, December 24th, right through to Candlemas, to the presentation of our Lord in the temple, which is February 2nd. It's very, very wonderful. And at the moment, um, this past um, Saturday was Epiphany, which you probably celebrated um, many in the church on Sunday. Um, uh, it was the first Sunday of the octave. Hold on a moment. Let me just see. Something just happened that wasn't good. Um, epiphany. Okay, hold on now. Sorry about this. Let's see if this helps. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm playing with my computer. Um, and uh, we are now in Epiphany Tide because Epiphany, as all the major holy days had in the past, has an octave, eight-day octave. So we are in the octave of Epiphany or Epiphany Tide. Um, it's just um, uh, truly, truly, truly wonderful. Let me just see if um, if I could bring something up here. I wanted to be with you through these holidays. I've had it to take a couple of days. Um, <clears throat> and I'm going to read this to you. Epiphany, beloved. You say, well, you know, Mother, our priest gave us a homily and we know what it's about. We hardly know what's it about, what it is about. It commemorates three feast days. And it is the commemoration uh, or I should say the beginning of the fulfillment of all that God has done through the o- Old Testament. A light for revelation to the Gentiles, which our Lord was as his birth, came through his people Israel. And um, no, rather, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. That's what Epiphany is about in the glory of thy people Israel. Israel is God's people that he formed not because of any credit of theirs, but because God formed them for himself through whom the Messiah would come. The Messiah is the glory, the consolation, the hope of Israel. And born in that stable on Christmas Eve um, is the hope, the glory of Israel. But the light for revelation of the Gentiles would happen at Epiphany. Um, Because the three men who came, wise men or kings, there's a lot of discussion on, on exactly who they were, um, they were Gentiles, and this was the revelation of the light of the world to the Gentiles. And I mentioned um, uh, last week that um, uh, God gave Israel 
the vocation of being a light, Isaiah chapter 59, <clears throat> of being a light of revelation to the Gentiles, to spread the gospel, to spread the knowledge of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to the whole world. Israel failed over and over and over again. And the only reason that they succeeded is because God is faithful to his promises and that he brought the Messiah. He kept them as a people. No matter how many times they turned from him, he brought them back, and he brought the Messiah through them. Um, And I'm going to read now um, from a homily of St. Gregory the Great, and the introduction says that the church commemorates on this feast, that's Epiphany, three different mysteries in which Jesus Christ made himself known to man and manifested his glory. The adoration paid by the wise men of the East the baptism he received from St. John and the first miracle wrought by him in Galilee by changing water into wine. It's all on the same day, beloved. Year apart, but all on the same um, feast day, one year after another. Um, Let me see now. Um, She dwells, however, more particularly on the first of these mysteries, and exhorts us to imitate the example of the Magi, the first fruits of the Gentiles, converted to the faith by offering to him the gold of pure and ardent charity, the incense of fervent prayer, and the myth of penance and self-denial, without which we are Christians only in name. St. Gregory the Great writes this, Dear the Beloved, <clears throat> as you have heard in the Gospel lesson, An earthly king was troubled when the king of heaven was born. Earthly greatness is thus brought to confusion when the majesty of heaven appears. But we ask, why is it, pray, that the Redeemer's birth, that at the Redeemer's birth, an angel appeared to the shepherds in Judea, while from the east the Magi were led to adore him, not by an angel, but by a star. The reason would appear to be this. To the Jews, as creatures possessing the use of reason, a reasoning being, that is, an angel, speaks. The Gentiles, who do not seem to possess the use of reason, are not led to the knowledge of the Lord by a voice, but rather by a sign. Hence, St. Paul says, prophecies are given to believers not to unbelievers. So if you're up in arms because the Gentile seems to be without reason, it's, it's if we, I, I'm just adding this, St. Paul says the things of God are foolishness to the natural man. They're only known through faith. So it's the reasoning that comes to us by the Spirit of God. And only God knows the things of God and to whom he reveals them. So let me continue here. The Gentiles, who do not seem to possess the use of reason, are not led to the knowledge of the Lord by a voice, but rather by a sign. Hence, St. Paul says, prophecies are given to believers, not to unbelievers, and signs to unbelievers, not to believers. Therefore, the prophecies were given to the Jews as to believers and not unbelievers, whereas to the Gentiles as to unbelievers and not believers, signs were given. Note further, it was the apostles who preached the Redeemer, 
after he had reached his age of perfection to those same Gentiles, even as a star and not human voices proclaimed him to the nations when he was an infant too young to speak. Excuse me one moment. Surely common sense demands that the tongues of men should proclaim the Lord and his teaching, even as voiceless elements proclaimed him before he had begun to speak, with all the signs which point to the birth and death of the Lord. Consider how stony were the hearts of those Jews who would know him neither through prophecies nor through miracles. All elements in nature testified that their creator had come. Let me indicate them in our everyday fashion. The heavens knew that he was God, for they sent a star to herald him. The sea knew him, for it bore up his feet upon it. The earth knew him and trembled when he died. The sun knew him, S-U-N, and hid his light. The insensible elements of nature knew him, but even up to this minute, the hearts of the unbelieving Jews will not recognize him as God and more hard than rock will not be rent in penance, penitence. That's a hard homily, beloved, and speaks of my people, the Jews, but it's true. Um, Now we have a short homily by um, St. Augustine who says, our Lord Jesus Christ, dearly beloved, who from eternity is the creator of all things, today being born of a mother has become for us a savior. Today, of his own will, he is born for us in time that he might lead us to eternal life in the Father. God is made man that man might be God. Today is the Lord of angels become man that man might eat the bread of angels. Today is fulfilled that prophecy. Drop down, do ye heavens from above, and let the clouds rain down the just one. Let the earth be opened and bud forth a savior. He who had made others was himself made, that he might save those who would perish. For in the psalm, man confesses, before I was humbled, I sinned. Man sinned and became guilty. The God-man is born that he might deliver the guilty. Man indeed fell, but God descended. Man fell miserably. God descended mercifully. Man fell through pride. God descended with with grace. Beloved, there's our first break, and I'm going to continue this. Uh, as soon as we come back and then as always at the second break it'll be our half hour for your calls and your emails and anything whatsoever on your heart the heart of the matter is um, the matter of your heart so it doesn't have to be what we're speaking about and the toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You don't have to wait till the second break. You can call or email now and uh, we take your calls and your emails in the order they come in. We'll be right back there.
The St. Thomas More House of Prayer, a Catholic retreat center, prays the Liturgy of the Hours each day, starting with the Office of Readings at 5.30 a.m. and ending with night prayer at 8 o'clock p.m. Nestled in a peaceful, rustic setting, it's the perfect place to converse with God and discern His will for your life. The St. Thomas More House of Prayer is open to the public and can be booked by individuals or groups for retreats. We're located at 365 Hill City Road in Cranberry, Pennsylvania. To book a visit or learn more, visit liturgyofthehours.org or call 814-676-1910. That's 814-676-1910. Beloved, this is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. As part of our efforts to teach the beauty of our faith, we're broadcasting a special educational lesson every Wednesday called Lessons in Latin. I'm Canon Bourgeois, a priest of the Institute of Christ the King, Sovereign Priest. These mini-teachings break down the history of the various parts of the Holy Mass. You can hear Lessons in Latin on Wednesdays at approximately 5.15 a.m., 3.45 p.m., and 9.40 p.m. Eastern Time. That's Lessons in Latin Wednesdays at 5.15 a.m., 3.45 p.m., and 9.40 p.m. on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm live. And we are live, and I'm always thrilled to be with you. Um, we are um, reading very short homilies uh, from St. Gregory the Great, St. Augustine, and, and following St. Alphonsus de Liguori on Epiphany. The manifestation is what Epiphany means, the revelation of Christ to the Gentiles. And St. Augustine continues, <clears throat> O miracle, of mo- O miracle, O marvel, My brethren, the laws of nature are changed in man. God is born. A virgin conceives without knowing man. The word of God weds her who knows not man. At one and the same time, she is both mother and virgin. She becomes a mother, yet is undefiled. The virgin bears a son, yet knows not man. She is inviolate but not barren. He alone is born without sin. The son born apart from the cooperation of man, conceived not in the concupiscence of the flesh, but through obedience of the virgin's soul. Beloved, uh, I've, I've, uh, I don't know if you, it stood out to me that every time, speaking of the virgin, it would say she knows not man, she knew not man. In the Old Testament, um, 
um, Adam knew Eve. It is the reverent way of speaking of um, marital intimacy. And um, I wish we would recover that language today and not use such degraded language as we use. It's so embarrassing to me. Um, Here's a word now from St. Alphonsus de Liguori on the adoration of the Magi. Jesus is born poor in a stable. The angels of heaven indeed acknowledge him, but men abandon and forsake him on earth. Only a few shepherds come and pay him homage. But our Redeemer was desirous of communicating to us the grace of his redemption and begins, therefore, to manifest himself to the Gentiles, who knew him least. Therefore, he sends a star to enlighten the holy Magi, in order that they may come and acknowledge and adore their Savior. See? It doesn't say the Savior of the Jews. It says their Savior. Jesus is the Savior of the entire world, as St. Paul writes to the Romans, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Greek can be translated non-Jew. Two people in the world, Jews and non-Jews. Greek, uh, Gentiles, uh, nations, all the same. Therefore, he sends a star to enlighten the holy magi in order that they may come and acknowledge and adore their Savior, not the Savior of the Jews. He is the Savior of the Jews, but of the entire world. This was the first and sovereign grace bestowed upon us our vocation to the faith, which was succeeded by our vocation to grace, of which men were deprived. Behold the wise men, who immediately, without delay, set off upon their journey. The star accompanies them as far as the cavern where the holy infant lies. On their arrival they enter, and what do they find? They found the child with Mary. They find a poor maiden, and a poor infant wrapped in poor swaddling clothes without anyone to attend on him or assist him. But lo, on entering into the little shed, these holy pilgrims feel a joy which they had never felt before. They feel their hearts chained to the dear little infant which they behold. The straw, the poverty, the cries of their little Savior. Oh, what darts of love! Oh, what blessed flames are they to their enlightened hearts. The infant looks upon them with a joyful countenance, and this is the mark of affection with which he accepts them amongst the first fruits of his redemption. The holy kings then look at Mary, who does not speak. She remains silent but with her blessed countenance that breathes the sweetness of paradise, she welcomes them and thanks them for having been the first to come and acknowledge her son, as indeed he is, for their sovereign Lord. See also how, out of reverence, they adore him in silence and acknowledge him for their God, kissing his feet and offering him their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let us also with the holy magi adore our little king Jesus and let us offer him all our hearts. Beloved parents, you should read this to your children. The family should read 
these beautiful reflections, with, and there are many, I'm just uh, reading uh, what I found on the internet, many beautiful reflections on Epiphany, on the light of revelation to the Gentiles of the Savior who came through Israel and for Israel for the whole world. I've said many times, people say, well, the gospel went out to the Gentiles of the world because the Jews rejected him. Absolutely not. If the Jews rejected him, there would be no Savior at all. No. A remnant of the Jews believed the church is founded on the prophets and apostles. Ephesians chapter 2. They didn't reject him. There was, there's always been a remnant God has kept for himself and through that remnant has shown his glory. And the state that the church is in today, which is the fulfillment of Judaism, that's what Christianity is. That's what Catholicism is. It's the fulfillment of Judaism and the full measure of Christianity. Um, and the state which the church is in today, we are being boiled down also again to a remnant. Those who believe, those who live the faith to the full, those who will not cower or compromise in any way, they are the faithful. Here is a prayer. O amiable infant, though I see thee in this cavern, lying on straw, poor and despised, yet faith teaches me that thou art my God, who camest down from heaven for my salvation. I acknowledge thee then for my sovereign Lord and Savior, but I have nothing, alas, to offer thee. I have no gold of love, because I have loved creatures. I have loved my own caprices, but I have not loved thee, O amiable infant, infinite one. I have not the incense of prayer, because I have lived in a miserable state of forgetfulness of thee. I have no myrrh of mortification, for I have often displeased thy infinite goodness, that I might not be deprived of my miserable pleasures. What then shall I offer thee? I offer thee my heart, filthy and poor as it is. Do thou accept it and change it. Thou camest into the world for this purpose, to watch the, wash the hearts of men from their sins by thy blood, and thus change them from sinners into saints. Give me, therefore, I pray thee, this gold, this incense, and this myrrh. Give me the gold of thy holy love. Give me the spirit of holy prayer. Give me the desire and strength to mortify myself in everything that displeases thee. I am resolved to obey thee and to love thee. But thou knowest my weakness. O oh, give me the grace to be faithful to thee. Most holy virgin, thou who didst welcome with such affection and didst console the holy magi, do thou welcome and console me also, who come to visit thy son and to offer my O oh, my mother, I have great confidence in thy intercession. Do thou recommend me to Jesus. To thee do I entrust my soul and my will. Bind it forever to the love of Jesus. How beautiful. How beautiful the saints write. Their prayers, 
their heart. How beautiful. There's a litany to the infant Jesus, and I will attempt to uh, give you some of it because we won't have enough time before the break for all. But it begins, Glory and praise to thee, O tender little Jesus. From the utmost depths of my heart, I praise and adore thee, that for love of me and of all mankind, it was thy will to lie in the manger and to suffer such great poverty and misery. I praise and adore thy tender limbs and thy tender hands and feet, and I magnify the inexpressible love which drew thee forth from the bosom of the Heavenly Father down to a poor and miserable stable. You know, beloved, as I read this, I think of those, even priests and some bishops, who teach that Jesus didn't know who he was. He didn't know he was God. He discovered it. That's such heresy. Jesus, what he gave up at his birth, in becoming man was not one bit of his godhood, not one bit of his power. He held the world together, beloved, from the manger. He's God. Everything was created by him, through him, and for him. Look at that little baby in the manger. He created you. He created the universe. Everything was made through him and by him and for him. Everything. And from that manger, beloved, he held the world together. He knew who he was. He never ceased being God. He never lost one single attribute of Godhood. Never. What he gave up was the manifestation of his Godhood. So he lived among us as a tiny babe, as one of us. He didn't, he didn't show us apart from the transfiguration, his glory. He came among us as a helpless babe, but he never ceased being God. The litany continues, Lord, have mercy on us. Christ, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us. Christ, hear us. Christ, graciously hear us. God, the Father of heaven, have mercy on us. God, the Son, Redeemer of the world. God, the Holy Ghost. Holy Trinity, one God, infant Jesus, have mercy on us. Infant, very God, have mercy on us. I'm going to read these um, descriptions of the infant without continually repeating, have mercy on us, so I can get as many in before the break. Infant, very God, infant, son of the living God, infant, son of the Virgin Mary, infant, begotten before the morning star, Infant word made flesh, wisdom of the Father, purity of thy mother. Oh my goodness, I just lost it. Hold on, for some reason. Um, I just lost the spot where I was reading, beloved. Um, so, um, it's okay. Uh, you're welcome to call in now during the break with anything on your heart, toll free. 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
consecration to St. Michael the Archangel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A most noble prince of the angelic hierarchies, valorous warrior of Almighty God, and zealous lover of His glory, terror of the rebellious angels, and love and delight of all the just ones, my beloved Archangel St. Michael, desiring to be numbered among thy devoted servants, I today offer and consecrate myself to thee, and place myself, my family, and all I possess under thy most powerful protection. I entreat thee not to look at how little I, as thy servant, have to offer, being only a wretched sinner, but to gaze, rather, with favorable eye at the heartfelt affection with which this offering is made. And remember that if from this day onward I am under thy patronage, thou must, during all my life, assist me and procure for me the pardon of my many grievous offenses and sins, the grace to love with all my heart my God, my dear Savior Jesus, and my sweet mother Mary, and obtain for me all the help necessary to arrive to my crown of glory. Defend me always from my spiritual enemies, particularly in the last moments of my life. Come then, O glorious Prince, and succor me in my last struggle, and with thy powerful weapon, cast far from me into the infernal abysses, that prevaricator and proud angel, that one day thou prostrated in thy celestial battle. Say, Michael, defend us in our daily battle, so that we may not perish in the last judgment. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. As I said earlier, this is our half hour together. Our lines are wide open for your calls with anything whatsoever on your heart. My favorite time with you. So feel free to call in. Toll free, 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have an email from Santino who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, When I receive the host, the Roman Rite, R-I-T-E, bread, and of course it's uh, our Lord at that point, it tastes like a baguette. Many other Catholics say it tastes like cardboard or styrofoam. I was talking to one Roman Rite Catholic, to which she told me that she always thought it tastes sweet. I know we do not take communion because of what it tastes like. But we take it because it is truly our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. However, I was just curious if God is trying to say something to us through what the communion tastes like. If so, what is he trying to say? Thanks and God bless. Sincerely, Santino. No, no, Santino. God is not trying to say anything to us based on what communion tastes like. Um, If it tastes sweet, if it tastes like a baguette, you need to confirm that your church is purchasing true unconsecrated bread. 
uh, for the consecration and that there are no ingredients but wheat and water. You need to confirm that and then not worry about what it tastes like because the difference in taste has nothing to do with the bread, has everything to do with the individual person and their taste buds, which are affected by many things in their body. So um, uh, the fact that it tastes differently to people is simply based on their chemistry and their taste buds. Uh, there's nothing different in the unconsecrated host. But if you, if, if you um, suspect that at any point, check with your priest to make sure they are purchasing what is strictly wheat and water and nothing else in it. We have an email from someone who writes anonymously and says, My wife's family heavily preached birth control as a message, as a message for her to follow even when she was not in a relationship. My wife's family heavily preached... Okay, so that means they weren't Catholic. When we were first dating, we were not as deep in our faith and were having sexual relations. And she got on the birth control pill. Six months before our wedding, we decided to stop having these relations because we believed it impacted our relationship with God, but she continued to stay on the pill. We began to research NFP and planned to start it shortly after we got married. Well, I tell you what, um, that's a marriage that ne- should never, ever have taken place, dear one. Um, for a marriage to be valid, both have to be open to life completely. No NFP, unless there's a serious reason. Serious. Not because you want to save up to a house or just be alone for a couple of years. There has to be a serious physical, financial, psychological reason. He writes, about a month into a marriage, she got off birth control and began to track her cycles. She told me she wanted to use condoms for the first six months, only during times when she was deemed infertile and we would treat her fertility window as a time to not have sexual relations of any kind, just how we would if we were not looking to have a baby. We have every plan to stop using condoms in about five months. I would be willing to stop now, and I also believe that it would make her feel abandoned or alone if I made this decision due to her upbringing. She has a hard time feeling safe, not using birth control, until she feels confident tracking her cycles. I really want to receive communion, but I feel like I need to abstain because we are not completely open to life. Please advise. Thank you. Yes, you must abstain. Absolutely. And so much your wife. I don't know if she's Catholic. Um, I'm gathering you are. Um, and I'm gathering you were married in the church. But again, I don't know that you have a valid marriage. If, you, if she was on birth control at the time you were marriage, married, or uh, you planned to use uh, condoms, which is birth control for the first six months, your marriage may not have been consummated. And um, you may not be, your marriage may not be valid. So to begin with, you need to go to a good priest or to the marriage tribunal of your diocese. Hopefully they are holy and, and uh, speak truth and find out if you're even legally married. If, if you're legally married, perhaps, I don't know, but in God's sight. Because to use birth control of any kind, which the condom is, 
And to plan that um, prior to your marriage is not being open to life, and your marriage may not be valid. Um, you say if you, if you um, do uh, stop and you don't use condoms now, that your wife will have a hard time feeling safe. Well, the fact is, you are both in mortal sin, and you're not safe. If you die now, for any reason, get hit by a car, you will spend eternity in hell, because you are living in grave, grave, grave sin. Your wife may not understand that, but if she has converted to the Catholic faith, or professes to be Catholic, you may not use birth control. And if you do, again, you may not receive the Eucharist and you are on the path, the wide path that leads to hell. So your wife's feelings of being abandoned are not the issue here. She has abandoned God. And when we abandon God, God will abandon us. You need to very lovingly, either you yourself or come to a holy priest together she needs that explanation. She needs to understand it. Um, because right now, both of you are in grave mortal sin. And you can continue to not receive communion. But the fact is, you are yet in mortal sin. And if you die, you will not be in heaven. Um, so it's very, very serious. And you need to talk to your wife right away. And if you need help, Go to a very, very, very holy priest, not a priest who will compromise on anything. And tell her that she might feel safe with birth control, but she is in danger of eternal hell. That's not safe. Um, and again, you may not even practice natural family planning. We are not to plan our families. NFP is permitted only for serious reasons of health. It could be psychological, could be financial, it could be uh, physical, but it has to be serious reasons, not simply wanting to postpone uh, pregnancy for your own wishes. We have an email from Evelyn who says, I'm a senior, almost 70. My husband passed away in June. I'm now living on my own and having financial difficulty doing so. The fund that was left to me is slowly going down. By next year, there will be nothing left. I take a taxi to church most times because I do not have a car. There is a very nice lady in my building that attends Mass and offers me rides when she's home. She travels a lot. There is nowhere else for me to move except in with my daughter. <clears throat> now, this is where I'm having difficulty deciding. My daughter lives with her boyfriend and has four little children, ages 3, 5, 7, and 10. They do not attend church. The environment is not Christian. The 10-year-old boy goes to church with me when he visits me on weekends. I'm trying to teach him about God and the importance of Mass. The 7-year-old boy is baptized and soon to start communion classes. They will not take him. It was the same as the 10-year-old. But I took him to all the classes and the ceremony. The other two children are not baptized yet. My daughter keeps saying she's going to get them baptized, but has not. Background on my daughter. She attended, and beloved, I know this is a bit of a lengthy email, but I know that there are numerous people listening that 
have these same sufferings and struggles in their life with their family. Background on my daughter. She attended church with us from birth to 16. She started hanging with teens that left the church and got herself in trouble. That is, she got herself pregnant. She says church is boring, but may go back someday. I pray for her constantly. So this is what I'm feeling. Should I move in because I'll be there to take them with me to church? (laughs) Excuse my hiccups. My daughter is not against them going. She just does not have the time, as she says. She works full time. If I move in, I'll have access to her car and can take the children with me and hopefully encourage my daughter to get the little ones baptized. I feel like if I'm there, then, I, then maybe I can save a soul with God's help. Is God directing me there, or is it Satan pulling me in? I'm, strongly in? I'm strong in my faith, but I don't know what to do. I've been in this dilemma for months. Can you give your thoughts on the situation? Thank you, and may God bless you always. It is a very, very difficult situation. Apparently, you can drive. So I would ask your priest to put a note in the bulletin to see if anyone has a car they can donate. Go to Catholic Charities in your diocese and see if anyone has a car they can donate or sell you for very, very little. So that's number one. As long as you drive, see if you could get a car And then, if you're not too far from your daughter, you can pick your children up on Sundays and take them with you. That would be the ideal rather than you're moving in with them. The point is, when the children are baptized, they have to have godparents, and they have to promise to raise their children in the Catholic faith and take them to church, which they're not doing. So your daughter and her boyfriend are in very grave sin, um, And the children are not being raised before God as Christian, uh, as Catholic. Um, So I think the, the first step would be to present to your daughter in love, but as clearly and forthright as possible, the situation she's putting those children in by living with parents who are not married, and um, and who have had two of them baptized without taking them to church, which is a grave matter of sin because the baptism promises say that they will be raised as Catholics, and they're not. And so say to your daughter, you're willing to do as much as possible to assist. Um, uh, you, if, if she and her boyfriend would agree to go to RCAA and and learn the Catholic faith and be married in the church. You would do anything to help them that you could, including being their sponsor. Um, But if they continue to refuse God, um, they are putting themselves and their children in place of damnation. Oh no, God's a loving God. He wouldn't do that. Yes, he would. That's why he put his own son to death to save us, and if we refuse that salvation, we, as God sending us to hell, we are sending ourselves and our children. Well, they're innocent. No, they're not. 
No, they're not. Um, they need to be raised in the Catholic faith. Uh, if they're baptized, they cannot go one Sunday without Mass unless it's a serious reason. So you are leading your children to hell. And I want to do tell them, uh, dear one, everything you can to help. So tell them if you can get a car, you'd be glad to come and pick them up. You'd be glad to be their sponsor. You'd be glad without preaching to them to help in any way possible. Um, but at least try to see what you can do to get a car and pick the children up for Mass and be their sponsor and uh, do everything you can on those Sundays to teach them the faith. That would be a start. There's the music for our final break, beloved. We do have a caller on the line. We'll be with you as soon as we come back from the break. There'll still be 10 minutes to call in. Toll free 1-877-511-5483. Did you know that an unwanted car or truck can make a great gift? When the time comes to purchase a new one, consider donating your old car or truck to the Station of the Cross. We have a quick and simple way for you to get rid of your unwanted vehicle while supporting the solid Catholic programming you love listening to on your radio, online, and through your mobile devices. Whether they run or not, we accept cars, trucks, RVs, boats, and motorcycles. It's a great opportunity for you to give more than you might normally be able to. At the same time, you'll be clearing out space in your garage or driveway, ridding yourself of an unwanted vehicle. Just visit us online at thestationofthecross.com or call 1-866-628-CARS, 1-866-628-2277. May God bless you for your generosity in support of Catholic Radio. Wars, rumors of wars, plagues, pestilences, natural disasters, chaos inside the church and outside the church. Are we facing the end of time? And what do we do now? These are the questions we explore in a brand new documentary film called The Secret of the Saints in the End Times. And you could watch it for free right now on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Just click the ICR Plus icon in the bottom right corner. In a world filled with anxiety, the saints have peace. The Station of the Cross began broadcasting in Buffalo, New York in 1999. Since then, our listening areas have multiplied and expanded into several states. While our mission is to grow the Catholic faith through radio and other media outlets, our apostolate is supportive of but independent from your local diocese. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We have 10 minutes uh, we have a caller on the line, but there is room. Um, there's room on the phones for you. Oh, that's terrible. Mother Miriam, stop singing. Um, our toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483. Email mother at thestationofthecross.com. Um, hello from California. Anonymous from California. Are you there? Yes. How are you doing, Hi. Mother? I'm fine, sweetheart. 
Uh, go ahead with your question. Yes, um, I had called back earlier, um, maybe a while ago, um, and I had told you that I had five children, uh, three of whom are adults, and two are minors, and I'm a single mom, I had an annulment, and however, um, uh, recently, um, with my teenage daughter and my adult daughter, who is 25 years old, um, I found out a lot of things. Uh, she was, um, you know, asking my minor children to emancipate themselves, just, um, uh, just, you know, putting doubts in their head about me. And, um, I, I, you know, because the background that I came from, my family, they were, um, you know, um, there was a lot of uh, wrong things that were going on, drug use and so forth. And so I understand why they had doubts. But um, she had also become controlling towards uh, my 19-year-old, um, and she meant well, but it's the way she was going about it. It was pretty fearful in the house, and um, and so I asked her to leave, but... Um, since then, I haven't spoken really to her on the phone. I have not tried to find out where she's at. Um, the last I talked to her, um, she had reached out to me um, a few months ago, and she told me she had an abortion. Now, she was in the house when, um, you know, this whole thing was going on, and she made my youngest son um, not tell me, but I couldn't tell. She looked bloated, but I couldn't tell, and she said it's because of the way I was that she didn't think, um, she didn't even tell me, and so I didn't know. Um, but When she, she said it's because of the way you were, what was she talking about? Uh, it's because we she, uh, she was working, and she just thought that there is no place in the home for the child. Um, and uh, I was a stay-at-home mother, but I um, do get child support for my other children, but we always have struggled. Um, and so she assumed that uh, because it was out of wedlock, but I would never have said anything. I, I wasn't, she did not try to, she just thought I was so tired from raising all the children because I've done it alone for all these years that I could not take on anything more. But um, maybe I might have said that in my speech because I um, had said to her that, uh, you know, you're supposed to look after your own child. That's what I had told them when I was raising them. Uh, like, you're supposed to, you know, look after your own children, don't give them to someone else. Uh, that's, I told her that way, but in case there's an emergency, I would have done it. It's not like I would not have, but I don't know. I had called a while ago to you, and I had told you she had gotten in domestic abuse situations. She just picked the wrong men. She's mm -hmm. never gotten over the divorce, but um, she started thinking the kids were hers, the minor children. Um, many times I took her to the priest. Uh, during my annulment, I'd gone through the, the, the priest help a lot, and... Um, they tried well, to she knew the children were in hers, but she felt she needed to protect them. Um, yes, uh, and not just protect them. Uh, she had started to take charge. There was a time, uh, you know, during my annulment, uh, 
or during our separation because there was a lot of domestic violence in the home. And so I was always going to the shelter, stuff like that. Um, okay, and, all right. Um, there was a restraining order. He violated the other party. And, okay. Uh, Mm-hmm. So there was a lot that they were witnesses to yeah. a violent crime, and which I'm not going to say on the phone, but uh, there was also that sort of thing. And uh, my parents, uh, there was an incident with my older one with my parents. Uh, there was something that my my parents, um, you know, there was a lot I saw when I was younger, but somehow, you know, I grew up thinking, you know, things will be different on um, uh, I made maybe the wrong choice when I got married, but um, I, the priest didn't see uh, the when I when he was finally leaving. He 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 wanted uh, I'd come for a final blessing, but he when I uh, my older ones would not show up. Uh, they're almost twenty five, twenty seven, you know, but they would not show up for the final blessing, and uh, they were just upset with. The way their courtship was going, everything. And um, what do you uh, mean? What kind of final blessing for what? He was leaving. Uh, he Your was husband. leaving to another, um, you know, county. And so we had gone for a blessing, but she wouldn't come. But when I asked the priest, "Could you pray?" Oh, for wait, him? wait, wait, he, wait! Your husband was leaving. The no, home? no, the the priest, the priest. And uh, we had gone for the final blessing, and he didn't feel there was much. Um, hope for them because I asked him to pray for them and I didn't no no I, I'm so sorry to interrupt you your priest was leaving the parish yes yes going to a different and, parish so okay and and what do you mean you went for the final blessing was he giving a final blessing to the entire congregation is that it yeah so whoever wanted to come and get one okay so we okay very good up, uh, very yeah, good okay and, go uh, ahead my older ones didn't show up, and uh, then I told him, could you please pray for them? And he had, um, you know, didn't feel, um, he felt their case was really difficult. Cause, um, it is, it is. And uh, and till now I'm struggling. I, I put them, I put one of them out of the home, and she's 25, I don't even know where she's at. She's the 25-year-old who, let me get, uh, make sure I understand it. We have very little time left to the program, but who you put out of the house was the 25-year-old, the one who was kind of taking charge of the younger children during the time of your annulment, and she got pregnant herself and didn't think you could handle that. So she didn't leave, but you put her out. Yes, I did put her out because she had started to um, really get um, threatening around the home with my uh, third daughter uh, because she had, um, you know, as soon as they became one of them became an adult, she was like in charge, of wondering where she's at, why she's not coming home. But it's the way she did it. Uh, it yeah. Was okay. Completely controlling. Okay, so you and put her out while she was pregnant. And now you know she was pregnant. At the oh, you time. didn't know. That's right. That's right. You thought she's a little bloated. That's understandable. Um, and so you put her out, and now you don't know where she is. Um, no, I thought she might have gone to her older one. I don't know where she is, but I haven't talked to her because I have um, a little bit of PTSD from just about everything uh, that I went through. 
Um, and I'm hand, I'm just trying to keep it uh, normal in this house because, like, when I talk to the minor children, um, one of them, even the mention of her name, has, has some creepy, um, uh, you know. The mention of her name, what happens? She wants to throw off just the mention of her name. She doesn't want the mention. Okay. Uh, this is the end of the program, and... Um, We've just got a few seconds, dear ones. So, um, at the moment, can you, if you could call in again tomorrow, honey, and and call in earlier, so we don't come up against the end of the program. Call in at the beginning of the half hour, and we can talk more. Um, I'm sure you feel guilty about putting her out, but at the moment, I think you may have done the best thing. Uh, you've got an awful lot on your hands. So uh, be at peace um, and uh, try to call in tomorrow, okay? Okay, thank you.